It's all about Jesus, amen? Oh, man. It's all about Jesus this morning, right? Amen, amen. He woke you up this morning, got you started on your way, gave you the articulation of your speech and the mobility of your limbs and all that good stuff. You, you're alive in here today, so we can act like we're alive and we can celebrate Jesus today, amen? Amen, 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 amen. All right. So listen, I got something uh, some special for y'all today. Um, that I want to I want to give away some stuff. So um, I'm in a good mood. So I want to do that today. Wife, can you hand me those those things right there? So my my lovely wife is going to bring up some stuff. I'm going to give out some stuff for y'all today. We got something made for y'all because we've been in this series called DNA and we have been defining right um, who we are because our DNA defines us. It tells us who we are right. Uh, our physical attributes and all that stuff are determined by our DNA. And so we've been praying, we've been seeking the Lord about what that looks like for us. And very early on, you know what, God, God oftentimes take you back to things that you, that you've said a long time ago and he reminds you of those things and those things that you oftentimes forget about. God's saying, I still want to do those things in you and through you. Uh, so we, we went back to something that we said a long time ago, uh, when we first got to the city and that was that we wanted to see this city be trans form because the city has had a reputation for being known as murder town usa right uh back in 2014 they did that article um and we started praying we said god what would it look like for this city to no longer be called murder town usa but mercy town usa so we got y'all some shirts all right uh that say mercy town okay so let's see who gets the first couple where y'all at you got it back All right. This is Wait a minute. This is a large. Who wears a large? Anybody? Uh, Ryan had his hand up first. Whew, you seen that throw? Whew, look at him. Give him praise. Give him praise. All right. What's this one? Oh, this is another large. A large. <laughs> Damali had her hand up. Catch it. Whew, we got it. We got it. We got it. All right. So listen, don't be disappointed. We got a shirt for everybody out there, okay? So once you leave after the service, everybody can grab a Mercy Town shirt, all right? We got them in all y'all sizes, all right? So listen, you know, we got to order some stuff because sometimes the stuff places you be ordering from, they be hating on a brother because the brother got a little bit of size, you know? So I had to make sure that where I got them from, they could take care of your boy. You know what I'm saying? So, Joey, we we good, bro. I got you. We in here. It's big football players. So, listen. Oh, quickly. Somebody uh, misplaced some um, ear pods or something like that. There you go. All right. (laughs) You got to do better, Jaquan. You got to do better. (laughs) All right, listen. Last week we... um, This is our last week in the series um, called DNA. Uh, We're talking about DNA, the the code of life. Our DNA defines us um, both physically and spiritually. And what we're looking at is having the spiritual DNA of Jesus. All right. That's what we'll be looking. That's what we've been looking at. That's what we've been uh, going through. Um, And so we're going to close that out today. 
with a sermon called Holy Spirit DNA. Holy Spirit DNA. As Christians, we're born again with a spiritual DNA that tells us who we are and to who we belong to. The New Testament's filled with language about us being the, about us having new life in Christ. And we're praying that everyone that comes through this church um, would have a life-giving experience and that they would have what Jesus promised as having life and life more abundantly. So we're praying that you would have an abundant life in Christ and knowing that all, every other place in your life promises you life, but it only brings about sadness and death if you're not in Christ Jesus. So we're saying, we're proclaiming to you today is that if you're looking for life, if you're looking for a source of life that doesn't run out, that does not fade, that does not wear away, then you must seek after life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So listen, I'll be in Acts chapter 1 today. Uh, we'll have it up here for you on the screens. Uh, if you don't have your Bible or your device with you, uh, most of y'all have your device um, because y'all carry it around everywhere. Um, but if you don't have it, we'll have it up here on the screen for you. And I'll be uh, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Okay? Y'all good? Y'all ready? Y'all need to stand up and get loose? Do some stretches or something? No? Okay, all right, never mind. Never. Too much, too much. Hear these words of our Father. He says, while he was with them, speaking about Jesus here, says he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the Father's promise. Some of you are waiting on the promises of God right now in your life. Which he said, you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time period, the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. Somebody say authority. Thank you, children. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the whole earth. Let me translate that for you. You will be his witnesses in Wilmington and Delaware in the United States and across the whole world. Amen. So. An author by the name of Jamie Buckingham, he once visited a, a dam in on the Columbia River. He had always thought that the water spilling over the top of the dam was what provided the power. Not realizing that what was on top was just froth. But it was that deep within the turbines and generators that transformed tons of water into electricity and it did it quietly without anyone noticing and it wasn't flashy or anything but it was working and moving without them even knowing 
And that's what the Holy Spirit is in your life. The Holy Spirit is working and moving in your life, even though you may not notice it. There might be some froth and some things going on at the surface. There might be some stuff going on at the top that might seem confusing to you. It might seem a little bit rough and rocky, but the Holy Spirit of God is working on your behalf underneath of it all. So I want to encourage you, encourage you today in this, in that uh, is don't do anything without a spirit. Don't do anything without his spirit. Here are these words in, in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. It says that while he was with them. See, the Holy Spirit, we, we got to see that the Holy Spirit comes when we are gathered. See, it says that while he was with them, this word here means to be together. It means to gather or to assemble or to meet together or to convene with one another. And it's the only time that it's used in the New Testament in this way is right here in this passage. And Jesus is saying to them, listen, while I'm with you, as long as you know that I'm with you and that I'm by your side, then you can accomplish anything that I've called you to do because I am with you. So listen here, I want you to see, he, it says that while he was with them, he commanded them. And, and, and I want you to note this too, that, that the worst place that you can be in Christ is to be isolated from the body of Christ. See, Proverbs 18.1 says that one who isolates himself, he pursues after selfish desires. And he rebels against all sound wisdom. So if you're isolating yourself from the body of Christ, then you are in rebellion. If you're isolating yourself from the, from the body of Christ and from the kingdom of God, then you are pursuing after your own selfish desires and after your own selfish, pass, own selfish passions. But Jesus is saying to them today, he said, listen, I am with you and I want you to be with me as you are with the people of God. So listen, he's saying here that while they were, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Jesus had, was, was charging them not to depart from the place that he had sent them to. Uh, and just like you, you might find yourself in a place where you feel like that, that it's just not working out for you there. You might find yourself in a place where you feel like things aren't how you want them to be in that place. But if God has sent you to that place, guess what? He is going to be with you and he commands you to stick it in and hold on until he provides a change for you in your life. So he told them, he said, listen, listen, I want you to, he commanded them to wait. He says, listen, hold on, stay around, wait for it. See, see, people can get frustrated with the church because they think that the church doesn't live up to uh, it, the expectations that they have for it. That's why it's easy for us to walk away from the church because oftentimes we think, well, they're not doing, they're not doing nothing for the community. They're not doing nothing for me. I was struggling. They didn't help me out. But Jesus is saying, listen, at this is, he's getting ready to coronate his church here on the day of Pentecost. He's getting ready to, to, to do something powerful through the church that he's instituted, that he's called his bride. And he's saying, if you just wait on it, it'll show up. He says, but wait for the, pro the father's promise. He's, he's asking us to wait. We get uncomfortable uh, with this because so many people have broken their promises to us. And what we do is, is that we impute that stuff onto God. We say because people broke their promises, then God must break his promises too. 
But I want to let you know that there's not one promise that he has not fulfilled. There's one, not one promise that he will not accomplish in your life. There's not one promise that he will not fulfill. And there's not one promise that he promised to you that he's not working and moving all along. You may not notice it right now, but he's working on your behalf. See, we get uncomfortable and we don't, we don't want to wait for a promise because so many promises in our life have not been delivered on. So we're content to move on. Oftentimes we're content to move on without the promise. Jesus promised you a husband, but yet you're moving on and trying to find your own husband. That's why you end up with some joker that won't treat you right. We're content to go on without the promise of God. God's told you to hold on, stick it in on this job. I've got something for you here. But yet you go ahead and quit the job without giving no notice. And then you wind up in a place that you can't climb yourself up out of. Then you want people to give you money. See, but this word here for promise, it means an announcement. An announcement delivers a reality. See, when, when, when you heard those announcements over the loudspeaker while you were in, in school, right, uh, you would suck your teeth and grunt and roll your eyes like, because you knew, like, it was just delivering a reality. And that's what this word here is. It, it's a promise. It's a, it's, it's a message for good. It's an announcement. And Jesus is saying, listen, you've heard, what, but wait for the Father's promise, which you heard me talking about. We've got to wait on the, we've got to be willing to wait on the promises of God. We've got to be willing to wait on those things that God has told us and that he's showing us. Because when he promised it, he was announcing it. See, when God made you a promise, he was delivering an announcement. It wasn't like man's promises where they say, oh, I'll promise I'll be there. Knowing good and well that you're not going to show up to the party uh, because you just don't feel like it. Especially if you're in your uh, uh, 30s and, and going into your 40s, you ain't going to the party. It sounds good when they ask you, but you ain't showing up. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going. <laughs> but listen. God's promises are announcements. When he makes you a promise, he's just showing you what he's already done throughout eternity. And he's bringing it to you right here so that you could begin to pray that it is as it is in heaven, it will be here on the earth. See, this, this, this word is from, it comes from uh, uh, two, two, two Greek words. Uh, and I'm not trying to flex on it, but I want you to see this. It said that uh, it comes from two words that means upon the angels. So when God makes a promise, here's what he does. He dispatches his angels out before you to accomplish it. What are you talking about, Pastor Derek? Okay, let me help you. Mary, you're getting ready to have a baby. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, you're not going to be with no man, but you're going to have a baby. He said an angel to tell her that. Joseph, Joseph is finding out that his girl, his shorty, is getting ready to have a baby, uh, and he didn't have nothing to do with it. Fellas, you would be in a strange situation if that was you, uh, because we try to sanitize the text like it's some kind of like some kind of mystery or some kind of uh, a fantasy story. But this was real life for real people. Joseph was struggling, y'all. Like he was, he was going through it. His girl is pregnant and he don't know what's going on. But guess what? The Lord sent an angel to tell him, listen, don't divorce her. This thing inside of her is from the Lord. 
when the disciples and the women were going to the tomb, when they, when they were trying to, they were distraught to see that, that their Savior had been killed. He was murdered on the cross. And they had seen that, and they had gone to the tomb to, 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 to put spices and things on his body so that his, 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 his body wouldn't deteriorate so quickly uh, because it was their Lord and their Savior. But when they got to the tomb, they found out that he was no longer in the tomb. And guess who was waiting there for them as they were in the tomb? The angels. There were angels waiting for them at the tomb, telling them, go ahead and, 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 and go ahead and go back. He's not here. He's no longer here in the tomb. He's not here anymore. Uh, and, and some of us, you have, listen, you, you, some of your ministry is trapped. I want you to see this because uh, the Holy Spirit was calling them to support. He was calling Joseph to support something that he didn't produce. And see, the, the disciples, they, they, were, they, were, they were shocked because Jesus was no longer in the tomb, uh, but the angels were there proclaiming to them that he was risen. And just like Mary, God's going to conceive some things in you that you did not, that you can't accomplish without his spirit. And just like Joseph, God is going to call you by the power of his Holy Spirit, watch this, to support something that you didn't produce. See, some of your ministry is trapped inside of supporting someone else's vision. We don't want to hear this. See, God ain't showed up for you because you ain't submitted yourselves. See, you're waiting on God and you're trusting God for some stuff, but you won't submit yourself to what God is telling you to do. We want his hand without submission to him. But just like the disciples He's going to resurrect some things in your life that you thought were dead by the power of his Holy Spirit, and he's going to make them alive again. That's why you must be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See me in verse 5 here. Verse 5 says, what does verse 5 say? It says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. See, this baptizing here, this, this baptizing of the Spirit, this word, it, it means to submerge or to overwhelm. And, and it talks about repeated dips. That's what it's referring to in some cases. Uh, but I, I want you to see that you need repeated encounters with the Holy Spirit. See, you, you need to, every Sunday that you come in here, you ought to come in with the expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to visit in this place, and you're going to meet with God the Father, and you're going to have an experience that overwhelms you. Every time you walk in that door, listen, you ought to need to you ought to have the need and desire to be immersed by the spirit of God. And not just when you walk in this door, when you walk in any door in your life at any place, you need the Holy Spirit to immerse you and submerge you. Because, listen, when you get on that job and they start doing stuff to you that you don't like, you need the Holy Spirit of God to help you to maintain through that thing because it's difficult. When they start slandering you on your job, you need to be immersed by the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to submerge you in order to hold your tongue. Some of y'all ain't holding nothing. (laughs) Y'all just going. But we need to be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And and it says here that that John was going to baptize you with water. And the water that he baptized them with was for repentance uh, but he said, uh, John said himself, but there's one coming after me that's more powerful than me. 
and and I'm not even worthy to remove his sandals off of his feet, uh, but he himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But he says here that when you baptize, this word is 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 frequently is frequently used uh, uh, by the Greeks for for to signify dying a garment. So you, everybody ever do tie dye? Y'all ever do that when y'all was in camp, summer camp? Your tie dye a shirt, right? You, there was different colored dyes in the water, and you had to dip the shirt in there, and then you would pull it out, and it would come out, and it would be come out changed, and the colors were all different and bright and colorful. That's what being baptized with the Holy Spirit is like. You might go in looking one way, but after the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and the Holy Spirit starts working and moving in your life, you will come out of that, that dyed water. You will come out changed. And you know what the dye is? The dye is the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you are dipped inside of his blood, when you are dipped beneath that fountain, you come out changed and a new person. You got to see this too. The Holy Spirit... It's not at your command. See, we treat the Holy Spirit like he's some junior varsity player. Holy Spirit, not no junior varsity player. He's been on the varsity team the whole time. In fact, he's the coach. But we treat him like he's a junior varsity player. And like we, some of us treat the Holy Spirit like we can tell the Holy Spirit what to do. Like we can just command them to do what we want them. We better get ourselves together. The Holy Spirit is, is, is the third person of the Trinity. It's God. You can't command the Spirit. The Spirit commands you. <laughs> the Spirit tells you what to do. He leads you and guides you. If you would listen. Some of you find yourself in a better situation if you would stop listening to yourself and start listening to the Holy Spirit of God. See, but he says, uh, verse six, he says, so when they had come together, see, they're, they're together again. There's this, this, them being with one another. It's the Holy Spirit is going to be when they came together, when they assembled, um, when they assembled together, they started asking him. They said, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? See, this word for ask is, is a word which, which means to interrogate. So they start interrogating Jesus like, Jesus, are, are you about to are, this, are you going to bring the kingdom now? We've been waiting. We've been waiting all this time for you to bring the kingdom. We've been waiting for you to do this thing because their understanding of the Messiah was that the Messiah was going to come and that he was going to vanquish all of their enemies right there and there. So they were expecting the Roman Empire to be gone because the Messiah had come. So they were looking and asking, Is, are you going to do it now? We find ourselves in a bad place when we start interrogating God. We find, our, well, better yet, we find ourselves outside of our design when we start to interrogate God. See, God didn't create you to interrogate him. He created you to follow his instructions. And see, the word here more frequently suggests uh, uh, that the petitioner is on equal footing with God. So when they ask the question, they place themselves on the same place as God. And that's just what we do when we start questioning God and interrogating God. We put ourselves on his level like he's got to answer you anything. God doesn't owe you an answer to anything at all. Only thing that you the only thing that God owes you is, is nothing. 
He don't owe you nothing. He gave you life. He gave you breath in your body. And those of you that are in here that are in Christ, he saved you from the grips of sin and death. He doesn't owe you anything. You're not on equal footing with him. It's like a king asking another king to send some supplies to their kingdom. That's what we do. That's what we do with God. We say, look, God, I need you to come over here on Tuesday and make this happen for me because I got this interview and I'm trying to get this job because I need more money. And I'm like, you can't just command the Holy Spirit to do what you want him to do. He's got a better plan for your life anyway. You think that the plan you have for your life is a better plan, but really the plan that he has for your life is the best plan. God's plan. Where's Cannon? Cannon asked me to talk about God's plan. There it is. I talked about God's plan. <laughs> Cannon asked me yesterday. He said, Pastor, can you tell him about the real God's plan? And I said, sure. I'll, I'll do it. I'll tell him. I ain't scared. I'll tell him. Drake is wrong. <laughs> Drake don't know what he's talking about. So they were asking him, are you going to be restoring the kingdom at this time? And So often we miss, watch this, we miss the spirit of God in our lives because we're too busy looking for him to do things the way that he's done it in the past. See, this word means to restore to its former state. So they were looking for God to do something and to make Israel like they were before. But see, we miss God because we're always looking for God to do something the way that he did it in the past. And so often we miss God in our lives because we're too busy looking at what he's doing in the life of other people. See, singers, they have a, they have a phrase that when they're singing, if you've got altos on one side, tenors and sopranos on the other side, uh, you got to sing your part. Everybody got to sing their part. And when you're not singing your part, my, my my cousin growing up, she was singing, she was singing, 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 and she was leading the choir and all this stuff like that. And she would walk up to people and she'd be like, mind your business. Mind your business. That just means that you sing your part. Don't worry about the other person's part. You sing your part and do what you're supposed to do. Well, listen, Jesus is saying to you today, mind your own business. The Holy Spirit of God wants you to know that you've got to mind your own business. Stop looking at what he's doing for other people and thinking that he has to do that for you. No, God is doing something unique in your life and he's working out his purposes in your life. And it doesn't matter what he's doing for them across town. He's doing something unique and wonderful and special inside of your life. You just got to mind your own business. I'm sorry if that's too rough. But mind your business. He said, are you, restoring the, the, are you restoring the kingdom right now? They, they were looking for the, the, the royal power and kingship and the dominion of God to come. They, they, were so, they were so busy asking Jesus about something that he was going to do that they missed what he had already done. Did, Jesus had raised from the grave. And they were so busy worrying about their, con- their preconceived notions about what the Messiah was that they missed what the Messiah had already done. 
And that's just like us. We have so many preconceived notions about what God is supposed to be doing, about what the church is supposed to be doing, about what's supposed to be happening in our lives, that we miss what God has already done in our lives. And we've got to stop doing that. We've got to pay attention to what the Spirit has already done. There was a song that he used to say, and if he never does anything else, he's already done what he said he would do. See, they were asking about the reign of the Messiah, but they missed the revelation of the Messiah. See, they were asking about when he was going to come and flex his muscles and display his power, but they really missed the revelation that the real flexing of your muscles is when you're able to lift up the tomb. See, they missed the revelation that, 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 that Christ's real reign was in the fact that he now rules over death and that he now has the keys. And they missed that reality because they were looking for him to do something earthly and do something here on the, uh, 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 that was current in their lives. But God is doing something more supernatural in your life than you even know about. We're so busy worried about what he's doing in the life. And, and we're so busy worried about what, what he's going to do in your life that you ignore what he has done in your life. See, we, we, we miss it. We just miss what God is doing in our lives. He says, listen, they ask, he's saying to them, he, he replied to them after they asked him, he asked him about the kingdom. He replied to them, it's not for you to know. What well, it's not for you to know the time or the period that the Father has appointed by his authority. See, everything ain't for you to understand. Everything that God's doing is not for your understanding. It's easy to obey when you understand. That's easy. But everything that God commands ain't for your understanding, but it is for your obedience. Parents, help me preach this thing in here today. See, as parents, sometimes you have to make some decisions regarding your children that they don't understand. At times, you've got to make some decisions for your children that they may not understand and they certainly do not like. But sometimes you have to instruct your children in things that they don't have the capacity to even understand. No, you can't go over that friend's house. You cannot go. You can't do it. I don't care what their parents let them do. You ain't doing it. You can't stay out till one in the morning. I don't care what your friends are doing. No, you can't have a cell phone yet. I don't care. I know your friends is nine and eight with a cell phone. You can't have one. No, you can't have Snapchat yet because I don't trust you. I'm not talking about nobody in particular. <laughs> Son, you good. <laughs> you can't say out the one yet. But listen, these new age kids, they want to know why. I couldn't ask why. Not even once. Couldn't ask why. Why would it got me out the window <laughs> to the left? 
all that. See, our kids, they get, this is what God is doing, right? God commands us sometimes to do, to do some stuff that we don't have the capacity to understand yet. But, but parents, you don't command them to understand. You tell them to obey until their understanding catches up. See, I, I'm not trying to control my, my kids, but there's just some things that I got to protect them from that they just don't understand yet. I'm not trying to inhibit your freedom, none of that stuff. And God's not trying to inhibit your freedom or none of that stuff. But there are just some things that you must obey God for even when you don't understand. He's not trying to ruin your life. He's trying to save your life. And see, you don't, because you don't understand the danger sometimes. We don't under, as children, my aunt used to tell me, she said, you can't go with them and you can't be in their car. And I'm like, auntie, like, come on, like, everybody's going to the thing. Like, I just want to go to the thing. And she would tell me, you don't know how quickly your life can be ruined in just one night. By being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And there's some things that God is saying to you. He's telling you, don't go to those places. God is telling you, stay away from that person. He's telling you, don't go be around them. Don't go do that thing. You don't know. And we've got to listen to the Spirit of God when he's speaking to us. We've got to listen so that we might understand what God is doing. And even if you don't understand, we must obey. See, you don't have to know the reason for God's no. Like, Auntie, can I, can I go? No. Oh, okay. Because no, I said so. Like, okay. I, I didn't ask why, but you're telling me why. So if God says, don't touch her until you get married, don't touch her. If God says don't look at pornography, guess what? Don't look at it. If God says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, then guess what? Don't forsake it. If he says control your tongue, then guess what you better do? Control your tongue. If he says be angry but don't sin, guess what? You can be angry but do not sin. Calling people out their name and all that other stuff just because you're angry. I'm on somebody's toes in here. That's okay. Because I want you to understand that God, what God commands is his command. We can't move his commands. God's not interested in us being, uh, in, us, in, in us having equal understanding with him. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You can't understand what I'm doing. You can't understand what I'm working with over here. He says, it's not for you to know what the father is doing. See, being a parent, being a father means that you don't always need to explain yourself. Parents, you ought to be saying amen at this point because you know at times that you decided things for your children against their desired will. But God reserves the right to make prearrangements in your life without informing you. He's not subject to your sovereignty. It's not 
Lord, my will be done. It's, Lord, your will be done. He said, it ain't for you to know what the Father has set. This, you, you, do you know this? That the Lord has set things into place in your life by his authority. But you want things to be done on your authority. And you don't have none. You ain't got an ounce. You couldn't control one breath in your body. I know you think that you're just breathing right now involuntarily. That's what they taught you in school, that it's an involuntary action that you're just breathing. But God has given you every single breath that's in your body right now. You can't do nothing without him. You don't have no authority. You can't move your pinky toe without God. Why? Because he designed your DNA. And in your DNA, it, it, it controls all of that stuff. And that's at his design. You couldn't do none of that stuff without him. And it says by his, his it's, what you can't, it's not for you to know what he has set by his authority. See, the authority of God is, 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 the, is his power. It, it's, it, this word, it, it means the liberty of doing as one pleases. See, God can do as he pleases. And God can do whatever he wants to do in your life. See, his authority is his, this word is exousia. Is his, his exousia is the power of choice. His exousia is the liberty of him doing as he pleases. The old church would say that God will do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, and why he wants to do it. They couldn't articulate the intricacies of theology proper and all that stuff, but they sure knew enough to know that to say, Lord, have your way. They knew enough to say that God's got all power in his hands. And that's why they could sleep at night. Because they knew that God was in control. But here's the good news as I close. Watch this. It says that the Holy Spirit will give you power. See, verse 8, it says that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, God, is he will give you power in some aspect of your life. And the power that you give, that he gives you, this word for power is dunamis. It's, it's the word for strength and, and ability. Uh, it, it has to do with the power of influence. And God will give you influence in every sphere of your life if you just receive the power that he's given to you to be able to influence your coworkers, influence the students that you work with, to influence everybody on your job and in your family. He will give you the power that you need to do that. And as we seek to have the DNA of Christ, as we seek to have our DNA rearranged so that we can be defined by God, we've got to be willing to receive the power that he gives us in order to be his witnesses. And see, that power, it, it, the power, watch this, the power will overtake you. The Holy Spirit will snatch you up into some things that you never thought you would ever be doing. He will bring you into some ventures that you never thought were even possible. You're like, God, three years ago, I wasn't even a Christian. And now look where you have me. A year ago, I, I, a year ago, I couldn't even lift my leg. And now God has healed me and he's given me the ability to testify and tell my story about how he healed my body. See, the Holy Spirit will bring you up into some things by his power and by, the, by his dudamus that you did not even know were possible in your life. 
God wants to do something in the life of his people that they cannot expect. He says, Lo, I'm getting ready to do something. I, I preached this last week. He says, he's getting ready to do something that you will not believe. He's going to do something in your life that you will not even be able to understand what he's doing. And listen at this. He says that you will be my witnesses in Judea and in Jerusalem and Samaria and all, and all throughout the earth. So what Jesus is telling them, he's saying, you don't have to worry about what you do when you know who you are. See, when, when you have the hope, and watch this, here's the beauty of this, all of this. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, you can accomplish great and powerful things for him if you would just receive it, if you would just trust him. If you would just rely on him. You don't have to worry about what you do when you know who you are. And if you're in Christ, you're a son and a daughter. You are his. You belong to him. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Though your mother and father might forsake you, the Lord will never forsake you. Maybe you're in here today and you don't understand that reality. Maybe you don't know that in Christ you can have assurance. You can have assurance in knowing that your sins have been forgiven. And because your sins have been forgiven, Scripture tells us that in Christ we have life. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Won't you trust him today? Won't you place your trust in Jesus today? He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a life that is everlasting, that is unending. And not only that, he promises you that he will give you an abundant life. That he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask think and look at me that doesn't mean that you won't have suffering but that means that he'll be with you in your suffering that doesn't mean that you won't have difficulty and challenging circumstances ever again that's a lie if anybody's ever told you that that if you come to Christ all your problems will go away that's not true but if you're in Christ you have the solution transgressions. He says, don't, don't worry about that. I know what you've done in the past. I know everything. Don't worry about it. Trust in my son. He'll cover it all. Jesus paid it all for us. There's not one bit that he did not cover through the shedding of his blood for you. And if you're in here today, want to place your faith and trust in Jesus, we're going to ask you to take a big step. We're going to ask you to come up front here, and we're going to pray for you. Brother Dave is up here. We'll pray. And we'll pray for you. And not only that, we won't just leave it there. 
we'll teach you, we'll walk with you and show you what it looks like to have life in Christ. We'll talk to you about what it means to take some next steps in your spiritual journey and how you can move from infancy in Christ to maturity in Him. Is there one today that wants to place their faith in Jesus? Just come on up here. We'll pray for you. I don't want to do nothing else. And I don't make no spectacle about you. We just want to pray. Is there one? Maybe there's somebody here today who's been struggling with their faith. They, you know, they trusted Jesus a long time ago and